0: Welcome to the Library Service, Safety, and Security Podcast. I'm Dr. Steve Albrecht, and this podcast is sponsored by Library 2.0 and produced by the founder of Library 2.0, Steve Hargadon. For more information about Library 2.0, go to library20.com. My topic for this half hour is a personal one, which certainly resonates with me and may resonate with you as well, which is imposter syndrome. You may have it. I have it. I've had it for a long time. Whatever you have done in your personal or professional life doesn't seem to measure up when you compare it to other people. Whatever you've done in your professional life in the library doesn't seem to measure up to your peers or other library leaders or other employees or people that came before you or that are coming up behind you if you're in a promotional position. It doesn't seem to matter. You can do the best and most creative and most interesting work and it doesn't always feel that satisfying. It's odd how that is. We'll talk about it. Professionally, this is a a classic issue with a lot of people. And personally, it's a concerning issue with a lot of people because it makes them feel bad about what they have done and it's not good enough. And so we'll talk about the origins of imposter syndrome and maybe some tools and ideas for creating an environment where you feel better about yourself and all that you have accomplished to this point. A recent article in the New Yorker magazine went back in time and looked at the origins of imposter syndrome. 1978, Pauline Clance and Dr. Suzanne Imes, I-M-E-S. These two ladies were working uh, together on an article which they published. Um, uh, Pauline Clance was a professor of psychology at Georgia State University, and Dr. Suzanne Imes was a psychologist. And their piece in 1978 was about imposter syndrome, the phrase they coined, and they connected it to women that they had seen in their, in their work and in their um, uh, psychology practice, who had come to them unsatisfied and disappointed in the state of their lives, even though they had had a large number of contributions, educational contributions, uh, publishing, uh, families, uh, careers, things like that, where they just did not feel like they measured up when compared to other people. And these personal comparisons, the self-comparison, they call the imposter syndrome because it, it was never true if you looked at it from an outsider's perspective. You have done a lot in your life, and, but when you turn that sort of introspectively and you compare yourself to kids and peers and uh, people that you grew up with and, and other students and friends and, and successful people in your life that you just don't measure up, and that's a hard burden to carry around. I wanna talk about the concept, at least from my own perspective, and maybe think about some ideas and tools that you can give to yourself to say, I am worthy and successful. I am a good person based on what I have done, and even if I've done a little compared to a lot of other people, or I've done a lot compared to a lot of other people, it's not how we should measure our happiness in life. So it's easy, I believe, and this is certainly proven out in our culture these days, that when you compare yourself to other people, and you say, well, look at this person who has 45,000 uh, friends on Facebook and on social media, and each of their tweets gets you know, 1.6 million likes. It's hard to compare yourself to people like that in a realistic way, and sometimes we still do that. We look at celebrities. We look at social media influencers. We look at sports figures, and we say, I can never do what that person has done. And why bother to try? And even though I've been successful in my own life and career, I don't measure up when I'm compared to those types of people. But it's even deeper than that, which is you say to yourself, when I compare myself perhaps to my siblings, if you have those, or I compare myself to my friends or people I went to school with, or I compare myself to, to teachers that I have known, or I compare myself to people who have mentored me uh, in, my, in my professional life. Uh, I compare myself to my enemies or rivals or the people that, that uh, don't care for me. Um, it's easy to feel this imposter syndrome. When I look at my own life, I would seem on paper pretty successful. Four college degrees, 26 published books, um, a lot of work in various careers where I am perceived as a thought leader, I wrote the first book in the country on workplace violence. I've interviewed three workplace violence murderers. Uh, Nobody else that I know who is not active in law enforcement has ever done that and published about it. Um, I have handled hundreds of threat assessment cases. I've taught lots and lots of workplace violence prevention programs, which people have said you have saved lives, Steve, with your work, and I'm appreciative of that. I've been working in library safety and security for 23 years, two books in that subject, Hundreds of library workshops, live and in person, and thousands of libraries that I have trained, or thousands of librarians in in many uh, library locations around the country, but it still doesn't feel like enough. Finishing my most recent book, the 26th one, has already got me thinking about what 27 will be and what, I have a list of topics, of course, of about 10 things that I want to launch into, but what will be the direction I go with that book and what I do with it and, and the energy I put into it, when is it enough? And so sometimes you look at people that have done one thing in their careers, one specialty issue, one thing that they're known for, and that's sufficient for them. And they look at it and they think that's a good, a good career, a good run. I have done good work on this one particular thing which I'm known for. I put my heart and soul into it and I don't compare myself to other people. But if you're like me, And you have uh, advanced education degrees, or you have work that you have done across your career field, which has been important and significant. Can you stop and see the value that you have created? Can you stop and see the worth that you have created for yourself? Can you see the contribution that you make to the success of other people? Can you see the contribution that you make to society and the communities that you serve? And sometimes with imposter syndrome, the answer is no. And, and it's, it's a weird sort of a feeling to have accomplishments that, that maybe you're proud of externally, but not necessarily proud of internally. To have accomplishments and successes in your personal and professional life that most people, when looking at them from a distance, would say, that's a good life. That's a good, that's a good work run. The things that you have done have mattered. So why is it? with imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's different, certainly for men and women, for a variety of reasons, um, where imposter syndrome overwhelms our thinking about these things. And I think for, for women, the challenge is that they have to work harder. And oftentimes in male-based environments, they have to be more successful and, and prove themselves, in, especially in male-based environments. Uh, I think for some men, uh, they never feel like they measure up to their fathers. They, measure, they don't measure up to the other males in their life that have been role models. They don't measure up to people that have been substantially more successful, especially financial, uh, financially successful than they are. And that creates that imposter syndrome. So certainly, there's two different ways by gender to look at it. There are, are, are two different ways to look at it. what's the personal impact in terms of imposter syndrome for you and what's the professional impact. You could have both. You could have a lot more focus on the personal based on comparing yourself to your family or to siblings or to your parents. You could feel good about your personal life and not have imposter syndrome there, but you could feel substantially underwhelmed and, and sort of demotivated and even burnt out when you consider yourself when compared to people in your professional life. Certainly, we cannot look at celebrities, social media people, influencers I guess is the word, and and sports figures and compare yourself to them because that's just different air. That's just rarefied air. Most people at professional level in sports have a skill, a a a genetic talent to hit a baseball or a tennis ball or to shoot a basketball or a hockey puck or to kick a football, or anything else, a soccer ball, that the rest of us just don't have and would never get. And so sometimes we still feel like, well, I could do that. I, I, I see it when I go to the baseball game here in my town. I go to a minor league baseball team, and, and people yell at the players, and they, I think you can't do what they can do, but they believe they can. So when you look at unreachable heights, celebrity heights, or sports, sports heroes, things like that, that's a, a, the wrong measurement. So I think sometimes people get caught up in the idea that my life would be better if I was richer or famous or had these, these sports skills or these celebrity skills, looks or acting talent or singing talent, and my life would be better. But with real imposter syndrome, it goes back to these comparisons constantly that you make with other people that – and if we're all doing it to some degree or the other, we're all envious or jealous or sad – or, or curious about other people's success, it, it's quite the obstacle. And so when I look at the two areas where this most comes from, it would certainly be your childhood, how you were raised by your parents, the influence of your teachers, the influence of, of, of your church, <clears throat> the influence of your friends and even their, their parents, the things that you hear from other people that you either do or do not measure up, you know whether it's the honor roll or advanced placement courses or where you graduated in high school or college with your GPA what your SAT scores all those things are all about comparison and think of all the areas in your childhood where you're constantly told even by your parents who are trying to be well meaning that well a minus is pretty good but you know how come it's not a plus and, and B plus is pretty good, but how come it's not A minus? If that's what the measure that you hear all the time, it's easy to get into that. I'm not quite good enough. I don't quite measure up, especially in the eyes of the people that are most important to me, my, my family. And so that's a tough one. And then as you get older, this sense of comparison to others is built into our, our professional lives. It's built into how you get promoted. It's built into how you get hired. It's built into what assignments or activities are delegated to you based on your skills and expertise. It's built into the sort of sense of the rat race that we have all f- found ourselves in where we're just working to, to you know longer hours and, and missing our families and, and hurting our health and feeling burnt out and to what conclusion? To where you feel like this is enough. And uh, the hours that I put into this place as a library leader, a library employee, is sufficient, and it's enough, and this place will be here tomorrow, and it'll be here long after I'm gone. But this comparison piece makes us feel insignificant. This comparison piece makes us feel uh, blind to our accomplishments, and it's an odd human condition to feel that way. I sometimes feel the more I accomplish in my professional career, the more I feel like at my age that time is running out to do all the things that I want to do, and so I can't stop and smell the roses on a particular accomplishment, I have to move on to the next thing, and if you feel that way, that's, that's imposter syndrome times a thousand, that you cannot stop and enjoy your success, you cannot stop comparing it to other people, and you cannot stop wondering whether the people in your life who may not even be around anymore, your parents could be long gone. Um, that they would still judge your success based on some other criteria besides the fact that, that you did the best you could and you did accomplish a lot. So it's interesting to me as I look at, at imposter syndrome how it affects employees and how the sense of feeling not worthy and that you're not doing enough for your organization can lead to overwork and workaholism and feeling burnt out and feeling like you're not appreciated for what you do in comparison to other people, meaning that other people don't work as hard as you and get credit for your good ideas, perhaps, or other people don't work as hard as you and they go home with not a guilty conscience, they feel fine about it. Um, That your, your levels of expertise and your professionalism and your ability to meet deadlines sometimes becomes part of one of those situations where your boss has higher and higher expectations for you. They expect you to be great. They expect you to be very uh, skilled in what you do, very high expectations. They're disappointed when you're not, and that leaks out to you where you say, I have to keep doing what I'm doing, keep working hard, keep striving, keep keep uh, trying to achieve. And so I, I oftentimes think about this as a supervisor. When I was a boss, did I recognize people that were trying their best and did accomplish things? And did I step past their accomplishment and go, that was great, let's move on to the next thing? Or did I actually help them relish what they did that was successful? I hope that I was a good boss in that respect, that I used praise, and that I helped them stop to smell the roses, and that we looked at accomplishments in longer than just a 10-second review and then on to the next project. But I don't know. I sometimes think about, about my own imposter syndrome as affecting the way that I was a supervisor. And that may be your issue as well, where you say, Am I putting unrealistic expectations on folks that work for me? Because I have unrealistic expectations about my own success, that I can't relish and enjoy the things that I have done, no matter how small or how, no matter how large. Uh, I guess, you know, I was looking at the, uh, a quote from a writer. And, and he was talking about, he was saying that he had finished a book and he had met one of his colleagues for coffee and was talking about the fact that he just finished the manuscript. This author's name is Stephen Pressfield. Uh, Stephen with a V, Pressfield, press like common spelling and field. Stephen Pressfield has written a lot about history. He's written historical novels. He's also written books about writing. And I find his stuff really useful for me as kind of a motivation because what he talks about is sort of the demon which interferes with the muse and the fact that your mind is always trying to talk you out of your success and that your mind is always trying to denigrate the work that you are doing, especially as a writer. And I find his stuff very motivational. But but his meeting with his colleague, you know, basically the person said, great, congratulations, you finished your book. What's the next thing you're working on? And, and that's that, that idea that th- that's not sufficient. That, the book he just finished, which was a labor of love, I'm sure it took, you know, one to two years, whatever it was, that's how long it takes me sometimes, um, is, is not uh, celebrated. It's okay, moving on to the next thing. So we can define imposter syndrome in degrees. You either have it a lot Sometimes I feel like I have it 25% of my personality. Sometimes I feel like I have it 75% of my personality. We can define uh, imposter syndrome as something that can be crippling because you, it, 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 you cannot find the joy in things and it, you take the joy out of things, especially in successful accomplishments because it just doesn't seem to be enough. Uh, we can find uh, imposter syndrome to be crippling when you are in competition with peers or family members or siblings or... or colleagues and it's not useful for your relationships with them. But it's really more about self-esteem and how you feel that what you have done is not good enough and that you're striving for a goal which is unreachable or that you're striving for a goal which other people have said is, you've got it, you've reached it, it's there, you've accomplished those things, but it just doesn't sink in with you. So what do we do about all this stuff? I've, I've talked to therapists as a, as a patient and as a colleague about these things, and they have a variety of answers. And sometimes when you talk to people about the concept of not feeling great about your successes, not being able to appreciate your successes, people are surprised as if you could just flip a switch and do it. And so when I've talked to this uh, with, with friends and colleagues about this, they're like, all the stuff that you've done and that you, you, you can't appreciate your own value and effort, and as if it was easy to do. So I guess a couple of things come to mind as as potential solutions. One is that you really have to stop comparing yourself to others. First off, as someone said on social media probably five or 600 times I've seen this quote, nobody cares about you, they only care about themselves. Mostly people are dialed into their own issues, their own families, their own work, their own kids, their own finances, whatever. People aren't aren't staying up nights worrying about what you're doing. So it's a little bit narcissistic sometimes to think that other people are, are measuring you when they're busy with their own lives. I get that. I think comparison is no longer useful when you reach adulthood because those days of comparing yourself to school kids in the schoolyard in terms of grades and, and you know how good you are in P.E., and all, and the clothes you wore, and the haircut you had, and all the other stuff that that we hammer on each other during, peer, you know, you know, as peer pressure and during puberty, and and going up from, especially, you know, a K through twelve environment. That stuff ends when you become an adult, or it should end when it, you become an adult. And you say, I'm focused on me. I'm not focused on on keeping up with a, another twelve year old as as I was twelve years old, or another seventeen year old when I was seventeen years old. The other part is appreciation really comes down to, I think, to the little things, not the big things. I appreciate a good cup of coffee. I appreciate something that someone made for me to eat that was delicious. I appreciate the sunshine in the morning when I'm sitting outside with my dogs. I appreciate my dogs. I appreciate my family. I appreciate a lot of little things, and I have sort of the zen moment of what is particularly good about this particular moment right now, and riding in the car, listening to nice music, You know, a nice can of Diet Coke for me to drink on a hot day as I go somewhere, it's all good. And I have friends and and family and people that love and care about me. And so this idea of appreciating the right now is part of the, the antidote, I think, to imposter syndrome without getting stuck in the future, without getting so future focused that you say, I cannot think about today. I can only think about tomorrow and the day after that and the project after that and the assignment after that and the task after that, whatever happens to be. The other part is when you look at, at imposter syndrome in terms of effort, can you say to yourself, I'm doing what I need to do. I'm moving these projects forward in my library. I'm moving these projects forward that I'm working on personally. I'm moving these projects forward that I've been assigned. If I'm a library leader, if I'm a, a somebody who works for themselves and I'm working on something for a client, I, I'm moving this project forward every single day and there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel where I'm going to come up with the solution, I'm going to finish this thing. That's that's useful to look at and say, did I make pro- progress today? Did I did I achieve something today? Steve Hargan and I were having this conversation uh, the other day and he was saying, I think very wisely, that instead of trying to work on 10 things each day and multitask and try to get all 10 done, he says he wants to work on one really important thing per day, a bunch of other stuff too, but one really important thing per day. So at the end of the year, he's accomplished 300 plus important things. He's finished 300 plus important tasks. He's finished 300 plus important things for his professional life. And I think that's really significant. I think we get scattered. I think we get distracted. I think it's easy to change directions on things we're working on. Instead of saying, I'm going to finish this, and when it's done, done, I'm going to move on to the next thing. You say, I'm going to work on this a little bit. I'm going to bounce over here and work on this a little bit, and then you feel like you got nothing done. That feeds into, I believe, the imposter syndrome as well, which is at the end of the day, I felt like I did a lot of stuff, but where did the time go? The, the, the time burned up, and I didn't get any of the things finished. So maybe one of the solutions to imposter syndrome is I will not try to be a superhero at work. Maybe one of the solutions to imposter syndrome is I will focus my energies and effort and brain power on that particular issue, task, project, person, situation, conflict, whatever it happens to be, to a successful solution and then move on to something else after that instead of trying to move between 15 things all day long and not feeling like I accomplished any of them successfully. I think also it's useful maybe to sit down with a pen and a paper and maybe a cup of coffee or an adult beverage and look at your life and review and say, okay, highs and lows, some things not so good, some things I probably don't want to go through again, some things that, that I could have done better, but let's look at the good stuff. Let's look at what I accomplished personally, my family, my relationships, my health, my fitness. The people around me that love me and care, care for me and that I love and care about, those things exist. Make a list. Make a list of the people. Make a list of your personal accomplishments. Then, maybe a longer list, is your professional accomplishments. What have I done in terms of my educational background, my certifications, my promotions? What jobs have I worked on in different cities, different parts of my town, different locations where I've advanced and improved and promoted? What tasks or responsibilities have I taken on now that I did not do 10 years ago? What are the things in my professional life that I belong to groups or associations I've published or written, I've created? What kind of things that I have built for the library, displays and programs and community programs and activism where I brought people into this environment that perhaps did not know about it or, or understand the library environment, now they do? Capture that stuff. Capture those things. Make a list that you can see visually that say, here's what I've done that's great. Here's what I've done that has been useful to others. Here's what I've done that has been personally satisfying as well as professionally satisfying when I look at my career. And I think it's, it's important to say these things exist. People can't take them away. I have, at, at, you know, when I think about it from my own life, I have some legacy products, my books, my training programs, the things that exist that when I retire, um, they're still going to be around. And there are things that, that I have done that have helped people, and they've said so. And do I embrace those compliments? Do I embrace those, those scent, that the idea that people said what you did mattered, what you did for our organization matters? Can you embrace those same things yourself? So this list, if you think about it and you take some time to really flesh it out, it could be quite long. There could be a lot of things that you've done personally and professionally that are important, significant accomplishments. And I guess the, the, the function of the, of the exercise is to go, oh yeah, these things did happen. I did do these things for myself, for my community, for my organization, for my family. I did do these things on behalf of others. who did some of these things on behalf of me because they were the right thing to do for my life and career at that moment. So I think I think making a list makes a big difference. And I think the last part is catching yourself, and I, I guess it's an it's an awareness of imposter syndrome to say, it's not true. I don't have to listen to the little voice in my head that says you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough, you haven't accomplished enough. I don't have to listen to that voice. Now, that's difficult because of all the voices you hear during the day, the one that is in your head is the most, uh, you know, the loudest. It's not necessarily the most logical, but it's the most, most prevalent, certainly, and the one that, that interferes with your thoughts most often, your own in, in, intrusive, sometimes internal voice. But hearing that voice saying you're no good because you haven't done five of these, these five other things, or you're no good because you only have an AA degree instead of a BA degree, and you're no good because you only have a master's degree instead of a doctorate, and you know you don't have two doctorates how come you don't have that 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 process will never will never end if you get stuck listening to little boys so i think part of your mastery and i'm not saying that we tamp it down completely but your mastery of imposter syndrome is to continue to say to yourself positive self-talk i am good i have accomplished a lot i am successful people do value what i do they value what i have created they value the relationships and the way that I, I, I work with them in my personal life and my professional life. That, that positive self-talk keeps you out of that modality of, I need to do more, I need to work harder, I haven't worked hard enough in my life. So when I think about this imposter syndrome, it's a challenge, and I think about the ways that I can give myself a break, and I'm asking you to give yourself a break as well. And, and if you're involved in library leadership work as a coach or mentor, This may be something that you see in employees. You may see it in in employees that are mid-career. You may see it in employees that are at the end of their career. You may see it in employees who are just starting out and don't feel like they've done very much, even though they've done a lot to get to where they are with you. They may have college experience and they may have um, uh, work experience that's not as lengthy or as detailed as you or somebody else, but it's still important. And I think as part of the coaching process, you can talk to people about the same sense of not comparing themselves to other people all the time and not denigrating their own successes and being positive and, and identifying those things that they have done at whatever stage they are in their career. And that's part of the coaching discussion as well. So thanks for listening to my thought process there, my kind of deep dive, my self-confession into imposter syndrome. I hope it helped. Uh, my thanks to the producer of the Library Service Safety and Security Podcast, Steve Hargadon. For more information, visit Library 2.0 at library20.com. And until next time, I'm Dr. Steve Albrecht. Thanks for listening to the Library Service Safety and Security Podcast.